All right, let's rock and roll. Hello, and welcome to the Four Color Nerds Comic Book Podcast, Episode 16. I'm Rory, and I'm joined by one other nerd, Carissa. Hello. Together we take on this week's comics. Each week we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is our review show, so there's going to be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now and go read your week's comic books, then come on back. Each week one of us picks our favorite book, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. So this week my pick goes to Star-Lord number two. Our companion song is Stuck in the Middle with You by the Steeler's Wheel. I picked that song because the Star-Lord number two is a funny little story about Star-Lord and an old man that's stuck together. So let's take a listen to that song. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight I got the feeling that something ain't right I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you Stuck in the middle with you <laughs> Don't know why I came here tonight I got a feeling of something ain't right yeah. <laughs> Have a little nerds karaoke I mean, come on, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, also, quick side note, gentle listeners. No, we've missed a few. We've had some technical difficulties. We've also had a series of illness and holidays, but we haven't gone away. We just minor hiatus. Give us some time. Don't give up on us because we haven't given up on you. If there's some weeks where you wanted to hear what we had to say, feel free to either message us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and ask us a question about any of those issues and I'm sure we'd love to reply to you. We're here for you people. Yes. Full <laughs> service. <laughs> now back to Star-Lord and Chip Zdarsky's awesomeness. Yes. So this starts off with in the previous issue of Star-Lord. Star-Lord ends up getting in a bar fight. <laughs> And yep. so he gets arrested by the cops and so he starts off in court and he's got like a shitty public defender who's not doing him any favors. And of course, the prosecuting attorney is nobody other than Daredevil, Matt Murdock. The prosecuting attorney is Daredevil and basically he makes like the perfect argument of when it comes down to it is that you're human and you have no superpowers. So it, this basically comes down to a guy in a bar with a fucking gun <laughs> firing off guns in the middle of a bar. And I like how the crappy defender's like, it's a firearm and we want to establish this is an element gun. It doesn't shoot projectiles. <laughs> He's like, does it have a fire element? He's like, yes. And Murdoch's like, yep. <laughs> firearm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He gets saved by the green chick from Alpha Flight or works for Alpha Flight. Brand is her name. So Brand shows up and says that she doesn't, they're not condoning his actions, but he has spent most of his life in space. He's half human. He's not fully human. So, you know, and he's also saved the universe a couple of times during Guardian of the Galaxy. So they're like, you know, we don't want to excuse his crimes, but we're asking that you release him into our custody and then we we can keep an eye on him. We can handle this kind of space riffraff better ourselves. So the judge gets a little bit pissed off about that. And while he agrees to the terms, because he's, you know, he's smart enough to understand that it's not like you're just dealing with some dude that was raised on Earth his entire life. He does point out that law is getting more and more complicated by all these superheroes and stuff. And so he nails him with not only a $10,000 fine, but also 100 hours of community service, which, of course, Star-Lord's all enthused about until he, he finds 
finds out what he's going to be doing. So he has Alpha Flight make him this new suit because his jacket's been disappeared in the last fight. Yeah, something stole at the bar. But actually, what I think is really funny is because... It's a total kind of nod to what Chris Pratt plays Star-Lord in the movies and the MCU and like Chris Evans, Captain America do. They've purposely said they've taken their jackets so they could go and visit hospital kids as like a kind of charitable thing to do. So like, you know, superheroes visit like sick cancer kids. And the thing that Quill does in the comic that he says he wants to do is use his community service to go visit kids because he's a superhero. Yeah. (laughs) I thought, like, to me, that's what I made me think of. Like, they were kind of giving a nod to those actors who do that. like you said it doesn't go his way yeah oh that's true i I didn't really think about it that way but yeah you're probably right that probably is a a nod towards them so it's funny because he shows up in this retirement home and he's all dressed up in this fancy new suit that uh, alpha flights made for him and he's all dressed up in his suit and he's like oh man this is gonna be 100 hours easy peasy and he shows up and it's this grumpy old man he's like i don't want you i don't need you and he's like well you you know you're kind of stuck with me because i've been told that i have to do 100 hours with you so we're just gonna hang out and that's how it's gonna be yeah it's like a retirement community or like for shut-ins or something right it's like there's the retirement community there's two different types there's like the ones where people are like medically ill and then there's the type where it's like they're not good enough to be on their own but at the same time it's like it's basically like uh, apartments for elderly folks yeah so that's what this guy appears to be in you know it's more of the like you know just keep an eye on and make sure that nothing super bad happens to him so peter's hanging out with him and then he's like you know come on let's let's do something so So he takes him out to the park and the exchanges between the old man and Peter are are hilarious because he's like I don't normally have a home you know I spend a lot of time on spaceships and da 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 he's like spaceships you're some sort of disgraced astronaut yeah (laughs) so they're walking through the park and they're basically like trying to figure out what they're going to do and then all of a sudden Peter hears some gunshots or explosions it's a crack a rack whatever the hell that is so he like bolts off and then the old man like bolts after him because he's kind of like pissed that he got ditched even though he's like been trying to get rid of him the entire time and so peter's hiding behind a car and he sees these bank robbers coming out and i love this shot here because he's sitting there and he's getting ready to like you know sneak up on the bank robbers and stuff miss marvel shows up and starts whooping ass on him and so he's like oh rats you know and the old man's like see look a real superhero with powers is showing up (laughs) yeah another stab at him and then all of a sudden this supervillain called mind blast comes floating out and she's got basically like it looks like telekinetic powers is her main thing and so she is controlling Miss Marvel's hands and then Peter decides he's going to get on it. He's using his helmet to like get his weakness. He doesn't have his guns. So he runs at her with a freaking rock <laughs> and he's like, oh, weakness brain. I could have figured that out. Cause she's got like this big dome on her head where her brain's exposed. Yeah. He's like, hey, brain queen. He throws a rock at her and then notices it last second and like pulls up something in the way and then throws a car at him. And then it's like they're in deep stuff because she starts using her powers to control Marvel's hands. She's like taking swings at him and stuff and he's basically like backflipping out of the way. And this was actually one of the parts that I loved the most is that all of a sudden the old man walks up to Mind Blast or whatever her name was, generic supervillain, and it's like, excuse me, miss, I can't seem to figure out where the bus is at. You know, is this number two bus to Secaucus? He's 
like being a little Mr. Sweet Old Man, and even this mm-hmm. super villain can't be a dick to him. She's like, oh, I don't tend to drive, because she flies. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then Peter, like, tackles her from behind, and then Marvel finishes up with her and stuff, and he's like, oh, man, you saved the day. And then, of course, Marvel gets pissed, because she's like, you don't have powers. You got a sidekick who doesn't have powers, and this is, like, horribly irresponsible. Go back to your star cave. Yeah. Let me do my thing, because I've got superpowers, essentially, is what she says. Also, like, they, th- one thing I did like about this comic is they made lots of references to champions, and also, obviously, had a champion show up, so that was definitely one thing that I liked. So he ends up walking him back to his apartment, like, okay, I'm gonna get you off the streets here before I end up getting you killed. You know, the old man's like, oh, you know, I'm not your date, you don't have to walk me all the way back, and he's like, I'm gonna see you safely back to your apartment. When they get there, the door's open, and so Peter's like, oh, let me see what's going on, and sneaks in, and then there's this dude that's rummaging through some stuff, and he, like, runs up and puts him in a chokehold. <laughs> and then the old man's like, that's my son Greg, leave him alone! And, uh, so basically what happens is that his, the old man's son, I don't think they ever mentioned the old guy's name, or if they did, I can't remember. The old man's son basically had signed him up for this program where Peter, like, shows up to hang out with him, and the old man didn't want it, and now this guy's pissed because he's like, you know, this guy's a fucking criminal, and he's out here, and, you know, I, I thought they'd just send some weird, lonely guy to keep you company, and then so the old man tells him, well, hey, I didn't ask for him. You didn't ask my permission. So, you know, but he needs something to do. So why don't you take him to the, that bar you work at? At first I thought it was Luke Cage. I thought it was Luke Cage too at first because he's big and he's bald and he's buffed and he's black. So <laughs> well, I, thought, like, I thought he was wearing a hoodie at first and I was like, oh, dude, it's totally Luke Cage. And I'm like, oh, wait, never mind. It's a cardigan. Because at first I was thinking like, I was like, oh, is this Luke Cage's dad? And then, yeah, then they call him Greg. I'm like, that's not Greg Cage. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, they make a deal that, that he's going to take him and have him work at the bar that he works at. And so when they go there, they walk in, it's like some back alley and there's like this door. When they get in, the nice plot twist is that it's a supervillain bar. <laughs> it looks like the bar from Spider-Woman that the porcupine goes to in that oh. issue before he gets killed. That might be the one, actually. Because it looks almost exactly the same and it has a lot of the same villains, like the eight ball head dude and some other ones. Yeah, that might be the same one. That might be the same one. I'm not sure. I don't know. I thought that was a hilarious twist and that's the end of the uh, story. The reason why I picked this is it's a fun story. It's hilarious. The artwork's great. You know, you can't really go bad with Star-Lord or really any of the Guardians of the Galaxy members or the Guardians of the Galaxy title itself. I just really enjoyed this title and it was hilarious. Had me laughing the entire time. I love the references to Champions because, you know, as we've talked about before, Champions is like one of the best series, new series that's out. And I just thought that this was a good read and a fun run and I think it's going to continue to be so. So that's why I picked it. What do you think, Carissa? Star-Lord 2 was originally my pick. It was stolen. I'm happy that it was. Gives it the spotlight I think it deserves. I love Peter as a character in general. He's just that kind of roguish. He's really fun. Combining him with Chip Zdarsky and his way of comedy and handling dialogue, I've really been enjoying seeing where... I kind of like the whole like everyday kind of muddling through weird scenarios, how things get worked out. Hey, I need to get to my granddaughter's birthday. I love that kind of distraction technique. Something mundane that will throw you off. It really works. And when I did see that bar, 
far, I was really hoping it is a Spider-Woman tie-in, because I like it when books kind of cross over like that. Oh, same here. Out of all of them so far, Star-Lord and the Rocket for the Guardians Grounded series have been my favorite, so doing good. What did you give it? I'm going to give it four and a half, hey, Brain Queens. I gave it four and a half, thanks, Super Helmet. Nice. <laughs> we really are super twins here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, he's like, he's like mad at his helmet. I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> All right. Next up, we're staying in Marvel. What you got, Carissa? That's right. We are going into the Marvel comics, keeping it in the Guardians Love Fest here. It's Gamora, number two, written by Nicole Perlman, art by Marco Chetto, and colors by Andre Mosa. So Gamora is still on her mission, and she's heading into that planet, the Oubliette planet. So she's crashing, and she's like trying to figure out what she's going to do, just keeping the ship together just a little bit longer. She's like, oh man, this is Thanos' favorite ship, or his second favorite ship, I think she says. Yeah. She's not going to be happy to find out what happened. And it has this really cool kind of special effects that's happening when there, and she's like, oh no, we're hitting the event horizon, and like time slowing down, and does this really cool art style where it kind of like shadows her and warps it. I thought that was a really neat technique to show what was happening, like clear what was going on. Yeah, I love that too. <laughs> and then it goes back to the planet and it shows that missing princess girl at least that's who i think you're supposed to think she is from the issue before and she's at first you think she's standing there kind of all hero-esque you know her arms crossed and like <laughs> waiting for people to happen then you realize it's people talking around her and then it shows her hanging upside down she's been caught by like two like poachers kind of people like she runs a comet dust business which i assume is like a drug of some sort yeah and they want to take it from her and they're going to take this ring and she didn't she just messes them up big time fights them off takes off and then she runs in a guy who took a bounty on to find her from one of the scrolls the green dudes and he's like don't worry she's gonna come to me so he's the one who ordered her to deliver this comic dust and he's all confident that she, oh she's gonna come to me it's not a problem and she does show up and he's like talking to her and he's like his plan is to be like her buddy but just then she explains how I'm gonna get off this planet I just people I get this money for this and I'm gonna build a ship and they're like well no one can get off of here because of the hole and the effect around this planet yeah they got two days the same effect that's causing Gamora to crash and then they see her crash and the girl's like I'm out of here and he's like what? And she's like where there's a ship crash there's ship parts <laughs> <laughs> and so she takes off and as she's there oh, the other those two chuckleheads try to jump her again and that's a waste. She finds Gamora and they're like, oh, there's an earthquake. And she's like, I'm not worried about that. She's like, no, those dudes. So there's like these weird cultist dudes who want to now sacrifice people because they think it will help with this planet and the problems of it going into this black hole. This planet is doomed to die, like they say, like in a couple days or something like that. Yeah, it's like two days. So like everyone's either died or committed suicide or have gotten sacrificed. Basically, it's this people are just now just waiting for it to happen because they can't get off because the ship can't get past that weirdness. It's been like they say at one point or another that the, the planet has been beyond the escape velocity for like 20 years or something like that so basically mm-hmm. everybody's been trapped on there for the last 20 years because they can't get away from the black hole itself essentially gamora and the girls start fighting together gamora slices like shish kebabs one she's like "Ooh, did that scare them away she's like what your bad pun <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines from them. And she's like, uh, no, I think you just made them angrier. And so she's like, okay, get into my ship and activate the thrusters. And she's like, Gamora's like, I can handle it. It's cool. She's trying to do that and she activates them. She scares them off. The guy who hired to bring her in 
shows up and when they turn around Gamora's gone and they're like oh no and so he's still trying to convince her to go with him and she's like no we have to find her I have a feeling that I was destined to meet her and then the last page is at that cold high throne room or whatever and they have Gamora all like up on an altar block <laughs> and I love it because she's like we're gonna sacrifice you to the black hole and she's like they'll spare us she's like guessing physics wasn't your best subject yeah. Oh, that was such a great line. Black holes don't care. They're just, you know, there's no appeasing <laughs> them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I thought the artwork was, in some parts, was I felt kind of almost almost a little retro in the dialings. But it was really good. The action sequences, it had some really funny lines. You still know everyone's, like, agenda, what's going on. So, what'd you think? I loved it. You know, this was actually, I was struggling over my pick of the week this week because it was either going to be Star-Lord, Gamora. But this was a really strong title, I think. I really enjoyed the artwork on this it does get kind of retro in, in certain points, but those space man, they in the very beginning, they do some really interesting stuff with it. I think that a lot of the artwork, once again, I, you know, I always talk about kind of a rough style, but really clean at the same time. Mm-hmm if that's any sense. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was a cool idea This the whole idea of this planet that's two days away from the event horizon of a black hole and everybody's stuck there. Gamora's got this debt to pay where she basically wants to kill off this girl who's like the last member of this race who committed genocide on her race and she's willing to die to commit to that goal. It turns out that they end up being all buddy-buddy for part of it. I just think that the whole idea was really cool. The idea of this planet that's about to fall onto an event horizon and like what kind of crazy shit will happen and you've got these crazy cult members who are worshipping the black hole so I end up giving it four physics isn't your best subject nice I'm gonna go ahead and do the same thing I'm gonna give it four you wanna die in that outfit <laughs> I like that one <laughs> so taking us to a whole new place oh yeah and this one's a weird one <laughs> we've got Dollface number one Action Lab Danger Zone presents comics created and story by Dan Mendoza and Brian C Now, this is... Every once in a while, you guys are probably familiar with the fact that I always just grab a random title. And so for this week, I didn't really have a whole lot that was on the list that really like caught my fancy. So I was like, oh, screw it. We're going to go for something new. And so I went for this one. Dolph. Pretty sure Christina wanted to pick it, too. Glad you guys did. I found it interesting. You know what? I liked it, too. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) So it starts off with this very anime-ish looking girl who is obviously like she's got like articulated joints. She's a full-size BJD, ball-jointed doll. It's a collectible that comes out of Japan and Korea. There's these type of dolls. The, the abbreviation is a, a BJD, which sounds kind of weird saying it. But typing <laughs> it, that's what it is. But that, but she's like a full-size one. <laughs> a dolphy. It's like a name brand one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. I'm getting old. <laughs> she's basically like sitting there and she's got this blue globe in front of her. It almost looks like a, a map of the city she's going like to the right to the left da, da, da. and then it's like oh right there and then she pokes at whatever it was the voice was talking about and then it shows that this thing was actually like almost like a little kirby looking thing it's like oh yeah that's yeah. the spot <laughs> little kirby looking thing that is a perv and she calls him out on it and he's like oh so worth it they're looking around for something and they don't really clarify it at first so she's having this conversation with this ghost he's like let's figure out a way to broaden the search and she's like okay let's do it disappears off into like a little portal 
then she goes and she starts running around, does a little cool backflip off the thing. I thought she was going to fall down when she did that little backflip thingy. <laughs> yeah. She starts going around, mingling around the city, trying to look for stuff. The ghost is like going through this weird warp thing, looking for somebody. And then they go back to another member of their team and she's on the internet and texting this guy back and forth. And so it shows this guy who's basically in the same tinge and they're talking about doing research on this Necronomicon software and talking about, okay, where'd Lila go, who's the doll? He's like, oh, she's hanging out at a bar. You know, she's adjusting to this new century pretty quickly and then flashes to her in the bar and like some dude's trying to pick up on her and she's just totally clueless about these guys hitting on her and stuff like that and she sees this other chick who's scantily clad (laughs) to say the least no yeah who's like dragging off some dude she's like seeing something's wrong with it and it makes sense a couple seconds later because like these little skulls with like witch hats that are like popping up in her vision she follows them out because they're going out to an alleyway and she follows them out they're basically getting ready to get it on or he thinks so yeah she's like stop right there witch and then she like this big like gun fires out of her arm and blast the chick who turns into like some undead witch looking thing <laughs> the lines in this are fucking hilarious too cause she's like what was it this sh- there's hella fucking shit that was funny she like tells the dude to get out of there and then like <laughs> the zombie looking witch lady is like mother bitch you're going down you fucking doll faced lolita cunt yeah <laughs> she's like give it your best shot you perverted devil fucker <laughs> there is a lot of cussing in here like i thought christina was going to love it yeah it's up there with fuck fairyland but this one is actual real cussing not the you know nutter fluffer kind of stuff yeah for sure and yeah actually that's what i was kind of thinking when i got into this is like oh i accidentally picked a christina title <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what was it? Small-titted Sailor Scout wannabe. That was a good one. So they start brawling, and then uh, Lila fucking blasts her with a big old cannon blast, and then basically, like, vaporizes her arm. And then the witch, like, it's a cool-ass fight scene. She, like, turns into, like, this inky black dot on the wall, and then, like, grabs her, and she's, like, trying to, like, steal her arm and stuff. And then it goes back to this, to the guy who's, like, the computer programmer guy, and he's going over, like, oh, there's all this stuff that's missing, and the Necronomicon program and then he sees like that she's in a fight with this witch he shows up at the uh, bar where they're fighting and then stops the whole fight and he pops out as his little ghost form thing (laughs) and starts looking at the witch bitch's tits Mm-hmm. The guy's like a serious perv, which I can identify with. So, Oh, yeah. The little pervy ghost totally reminds me, if you've read the Dresden Files, like Bob the Skull. The little pervy little spirit thing. And, you know, he's magical and he helps with that. Totally is along that same vein of pervy spirit helper. Dude. <laughs> yeah. So he basically like separates them and says that, hey, you know, the witch's name is Janie Bell. She's an undead witch. And he's like, you're the owner of the Necronomicon. He's like, we need to borrow your book. And so... So she essentially agrees. So then they're like driving back and then she's like got still got her arm blown off. So she's like, hey, I need to get an arm. They know that she's going to have to kill somebody to replace the damaged section of her body. I guess they don't regenerate or something like that. So she basically hops out and the ghost goes with her. She casts this like illusion spell on herself and goes into the bar. The ghost then kind of starts telling his story as they're talking back and forth. It tells her about how him and his friend were programmers at MIT. They find out about the Necronomicon 
program and blah 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 and how they basically what they did was they weird scienced this doll and used the Necronomicon program to create this doll and they're like using like a 3D printer to like basically make her since he's a programmer he's writing a program for like the AI and stuff so they go through and then they they create her so what happens they show like like what the spell that they chose out of this book and it's a soul swapping thing like a soul they swapped was a witch hunter or what but they put someone who had already lived inside this girl and that's who that is it's her new body new time yeah. period then they go back to him telling the story and the witch has picked up some chick at the bar they go into the bathroom and they're basically ch- chopping up lines of coke <laughs> and she's like telling him you know okay now's a good look away because basically he's like oh i never before he was saying how he'd never seen uh lila kill a witch or anything like that and so the witch kills the girl that she's with to take her arm and then the ghost who's like stuck his head through a wall and then there's another gratuitous show of some chick on the bathroom with her boobs halfway out then they go through more of like the creation like they're showing more of the creation process for lila make a bunch of weird science references and then yeah they stop where they had first uh, infused the new soul into lila and she first comes to life i thought that was kind of cool how they put the uh the little color palettes and stuff like that for the different characters in the back so the things i like uh-huh. was the little beard did remind me of bob from dresden files which i love mm-hmm. dresden files i also happen to collect some dolphies and some ball jointed dolls i have a few of them so i'm already a fan of those and so the fact that that's what she is is really cool to me and i like anime the girl who was with the shaved head with and a tattoo who's the one who was girl who had the 3d printer who modeled the lila the girl mm. she was making smaller models of her own which a lot of fans of those dolls do that some of them sculpt their own <sighs> and so this girl had a whole bunch of little ones you see around her room and they're like well i want to make a real one and the guys of course was like it's like a sex doll and so and they're like okay we can do it, but she has to have real boobies or something <laughs> it was like this really weird oh. goes back and forth to me that's the yeah. only thing that kind of weird and skeeved me out so i'm like is there going to be another issue where there's a throwback where the guy realizes he can't use her as that because she actually has a personality and was a soul and someone else i'm kind of hoping that that's the way they go because yeah it's like at first it's like the whole you know okay we're gonna make sex dolls to make heck of money it's like okay whatever but once you actually have infused a living soul and not like an ai it kind of is it's preaching some pretty serious like moral boundaries right there <laughs> i hope that that's the way they're going i'm sure they will actually it's a crass comic book but i don't think it's that crass <laughs> i mean yeah it'd be a good spot to sit there and talk about consent and stuff like that so it, it could be an interesting like learning platform in that way for sure yeah i mean it just had a lot of cussing and humor that i thought was really funny that i thought was really interesting yeah i actually enjoyed it. i was surprised i mean <laughs> the artwork sometimes is in some spots a little rough but it definitely is super stylized yes which i do like when they have like their own look and take and the boobs are gratuitous but you know it's along that kind of anime theme this was a random pickup so you never know what you're really gonna get ultimately i enjoyed the artwork it, like you said it's super stylized i definitely did like that it's not super fancy or anything like that but it, it was a fun read the humor is hilarious it is definitely crass it's definitely adult so keep that in mind not the one to be showing your kids <laughs> especially with all the gratuitous boobs and stuff but you know if that's your thing it, it's definitely a, a fun little read and we'll see how it ends up it was hilarious as shit so i think i'm gonna give it three and a half because i want those tits to be real as fuck Man, that's what I was going to take. 
man. When you mentioned that, I was like, oh, she's going to be pissed when I steal this. <laughs> Mind sink. Oh, my gosh. Three and a half. You're being a perv. <laughs> I really hope that they do have a little you know, lesson here for um, consent. I think that'd be a really interesting way to take it and keep up. But yeah, the cussing is hilarious. There's some really funny insults. 100% agree with you on all points. So next, we're going over to DC Comics. What do you got for us, Carissa? That's right. I have Batman number 15, Rooftop, written by Tom King, pencils and inks and colors by Mitch Arad. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I love this issue. Oh my gosh. I don't know where to start. <laughs> you know, and I'm not usually a huge DC fan, but this had all the only thing it was missing was Alfred, pretty much more Alfred. True. So it starts off with them um, naked in like a post coitus type of snuggle fest. <laughs> I'm not sure if those are starlights or embers. So they're cuddling and they're being lovey dovey. They have like his cowl draped over their bit. And it's like they're kind of having a, it's like either a conversation or in their head. It's about their, it's like an argument. You know, it was on a boat, it was on a street, and this boat street thing will keep going throughout the issue. And I think it's more of them like arguing like either where they met for the first time or where they realized they were falling for the other person along that vein one says oh Catwoman you dressed like an older woman with a wig and a pink dress and she's like no 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 you were in disguise with jeans and a scar on your face and he's like I caught you stealing diamonds no trying to steal diamonds you know <laughs> and so there's this whole like back and forth kind of thing and he's like you try to kick me he's like the way you smiled you know, oh no it was the way you moved and they were both saying how they're, they're impossibly beautiful and then it goes back to you know it was the boat no it was the street and it shows them like kissing and being super romantic and like I love you bat and i love you cat she's like oh my gosh so it's basically all my fangirl stuff would want to see <laughs> yes they do care for each other kind of thing yeah and it shows them getting dressed and back to her being kind of coy and distant you know you see celine just start pulling away see what time it is and she's like hey pretty boy catch me and she like jumps off and he's like no and he like looks for her and she's like she's gone she pulled her Catwoman juju on him <laughs> but you know during that conversation she mentioned someone named holly robinson which he remembered from something before so he gets on that phone and talks to alfred and says you know you need to look it up because catwoman was leasing an apartment under this name she said it was an alias but i knew she knew a holly at the beginning of her career i think she might have a safe house and she ran and he's like you see she ran and he's on saying it like, like he's really frantic that took off so he heads on over to gordon's house where i like that panel is kind of funny it's gordon like talking to himself <laughs> like i don't know if it's like trying to like like a motivational speech but also kind of like when you put yourself down to get you to like oh you know you're, you're a fat fuck you know, work um, out kind of thing I know exactly what this speech is because I've given myself this fucking speech a million times you smoke too much that's basically what he's doing this is basically it's like I think what it is is that he is Gordon is trying trying to get himself to get on the horse and basically quit smoking and stuff and so the conversation he's having he's saying you smoke too much and you're gonna fucking die because you smoke too much and you know you're gonna die because every night you go to bed at 5 in the morning morning and you have sleep three hours he's basically having a talk with himself saying kind of like kicking himself in the ass saying dude you gotta knock the stupid shit that you're doing with your life off or it's gonna kill you and i know this conversation because i've had it with myself a million times so <laughs> anyways go ahead <laughs> so what you're telling me is when your hair grows out a little bit you're just gonna shave to have a mustache and we're gonna recreate the scene right that would be hilarious yeah pretty much pretty much <laughs> actually my hair's about that long so <laughs> but i'm 
not so good with the mustache. <laughs> well, I mean, it'd only be temporary. After the after we film it, you could just shave. Take me a whole like week or week and a half to regrow my beard. <laughs> so then Batman appears behind him. And he's like, "Oh, he's like, I need your help." He's like, "Damn it, <laughs> I'm taking a shit, Batman." <laughs> and he starts smoking. Of course, I love how like the next page, <clears throat> him smoking. Yeah, because anytime Batman's asking for your help, it's a bad thing. <laughs> so he starts asking me, "I need information on Holly Robinson. I need you to look hold the sealed records. I know we have it." It's supposed to be she's from the orphanage and he basically is all trying to get information about her he obviously gets it and he shows up at this girl's house and you see this girl like waking up at first i wasn't sure at first i thought is that selena no because in this version of catwoman she has short black hair and like in this this girl's just like it's too early i need to go back to bed and then batman shows up behind her and it's like where is selena kyle i love the expression on her face she's like like oh my god yeah she looks terrified <laughs> along those lines of what happened with the whole bane thing he's like she didn't kill anyone all those people that she's saying that she killed i know she did it that's like in my heart you know i know she did it i can find her i can help her she won't let me help her so help me find her and the girl keeps like it's not me it's not me back and forth that kind of puts his heart out on the line to this perfect stranger Mm -hmm. what you don't know is what she's done to me she's the only one who understands and it's, it's very upfront and emotional for batman you usually don't see this side of batman and especially for him to say it to this like stranger or this target this person he doesn't even know is pretty interesting to show like where his state of mind is and almost how desperate he is i think Mm -hmm. because it's so out of character i think for him definitely and so she tries to tell him oh i have a phone number like she gave me a phone if she needs to reach me but it was like a total ruse because the chick pulls out like yeah that's the karambit right there (laughs) it's a weapon that i i own myself and yeah they're brutal they do horrible horrible amounts of damage to people It was actually kind of shocking to me because having this like love story told about Batman was pretty interesting and pretty shocking. I mean, of course, it's Selena Kyle. So it's like we've all known there's like this romance has been going on forever and stuff. I thought it was a really good story. Really interesting. I thought it was fascinating how Batman's emotions and this is why Batman's the way he is. But his emotions get him injured, damn near killed when Holly, you know, knifes him. And by the way, that is a brutal scene right there. I mean, they don't like it's not like super like gutty, but it's like the way they she struck him right across his jugular vein with the karambit that would kill somebody i mean you're basically dead within minutes from and here's this person who's obviously i mean she's been trained by catwoman so she she knows how to fight but i mean still it's the bat you know (laughs) it's just brutal because there's blood everywhere they do a really good like showing of like the blood pooling and like the different panels and stuff and they start showing how his vision's getting blurry and stuff because yeah that's that's basically a lethal wound yeah it's just a great story the artwork is phenomenal and really lends to to the story. I really like how in the beginning, him and Catwoman are telling their own versions of the story of where they lost their heart, pretty much, is, is what we're guessing. They go and they do one scene when Batman's talking it basically looks like the original in the Sunday comic section of the newspaper uh, coloring version the next one when she's talking is like more like a four color printing look and you know I thought that that was a cool touch that they threw in there this is just a damn good issue of Batman even if you're not a Batman fan this is something you should be getting into it's just it's all around just a great great story great artwork something for everybody i think i'm gonna give it five always upside downs here we go justice league versus suicide squad number five dc comics written by brian hitch art by fernando Pissarin. we left off justice league versus suicide squad what had happened in the last one is that max lord had gotten a hold of this like black 
diamond thing that basically amplifies his mind control powers. And he'd taken that and he'd basically taken over the whole Justice League and the old Suicide Squad because the Suicide Squad was about to square down with the old Suicide Squad. So they show beginning in like the first two minutes, Flash is running all over the world disarming all the different nukes and stuff like that. And then in five minutes, the Green Lanterns have put up a barrier to protect the planet from extraterrestrial invaders. And then in seven minutes, the shores and borders of the United States was secured by Aquaman. In nine minutes, Wonder Woman placed so-called leaders under her protection. And then in ten minutes, Cyborg took hold of all communications. And then, boom, Superman goes busting into the White House. And he's obviously mind-controlled and basically, like, takes out all the different guards that are there. And then Max Lord comes in within 13 minutes. The United States is safe. They're sitting there kicking it in the White House in the president's chair. And he's complaining about how, oh, you're a bore Superman. It's no fun saving the world. There's no one to enjoy it with. But in the meantime, there's like another panel that's that's going in juxtaposition, which is like black. And then there's like a little like crack of light that comes through. And then another crack of light. And then somebody says, you know, where's Amanda Waller? Are we dead? And then it flashes to the Bell Reef Penitentiary where all the original fight took place. And so Batman and Amanda Waller and let's see here. Who do we have here? We have Deadshot. Deadshot thank you. Headless Lobo. <laughs> they're all in this room and they're talking about how basically it's like the heart of darkness, you know, since it's been stolen. It's basically like the end game. If it's ever used as a weapon, well, then it's game over for everybody. And Batman's talking about how the Justice League might have stopped Max and your original Suicide Squad, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like trying to be hopeful. So then they're all arguing. Like uh, he starts arguing with Deadshot, obviously. And then Superman goes popping through the wall all of a sudden. And he's like, I could hear your annoying voices from miles away, Batman. Max Lord had said that he wanted Amanda Waller, so that's why Superman's showing up. Batman busts out with his kryptonite ring, and Superman just basically grabs him by the throat and tosses him by the side, and then grabs Amanda Waller and takes off and tells him... I thought that was kind of weird, because I thought kryptonite was supposed to actually, like, decrease his powers, basically. But what do I know? I'm not really, like, a huge Superman fan, so... eh. It's like, we can't have him whoop his ass right here. (laughs) Grabs Amanda Waller, and he says, you know, Max saved the world within a matter of minutes, and he says, how powerful the League is, don't come at us and then go shooting off then lobo pops up and he's like oh bastard <laughs> he's like bitching at batman because he's like oh you blew me up and batman's like well if there's one thing that could stop max's mind control on you i knew it'd be one of waller's brain bombs because that's what he did in the previous issue was he stuck a brain bomb in his neck and then blew his fucking head off <laughs> knowing he would regenerate lobo's like ready to kill and they come up to the surface they find flag and katana and then they're wondering you know where the rest of Max Lord's team is and then he's flag is filling him in all of a sudden out of nowhere Croc and Killer Frost and Harley are trying to keep Cyborg down and so like kicking the crap out of Cyborg because obviously there's three on one Batman runs over and stops him turns out that Cyborg because he is half human and half half machine the human side of him has already been taken over by Max's power his Cyborg side he already had protocols in in place in case he got mind controlled basically lets him know that he had no choice to uh, seize all communication 
Hopkins and that that he could feel like the diamond basically overloading his systems and basically taking him over. He's like, you know, it's beyond any evil that we've ever known. And he tells him, like, the voice keeps getting louder. Batman starts making a plan because he's like, you know, Max believes that we don't have, have the power to stand a chance against him. And he's right. We all know that it's not going to go just that easily. But then it flashes back to Max Lord and he is talking to he's talking to Amanda Waller and he's talking about how, you know, we've made sacrifices for the greater good. And, you know, now that I've got the Justice League, I can make this utopian society and, you know, force everybody to behave. Basically, Waller's telling him how the diamonds basically infecting him and that he's only going to be able to resist it so far. And and he's telling her, well, I've got the sacred sigil that's going to like keep me in power. She realizes that basically like it's slowly like taking over him more and more. And then like basically like smacks the shit out of him at one point or another. So everybody knows that he's not going to be able to control this diamond much longer. And so then it flashes back to, you know, Cyborg and the rest of the Suicide Squad. And they're starting to, Batman's like, you know, boom to me into where they're at. And he's like, well, I can get you close, but not exactly. At first, Batman's going to go by himself. But then the rest of the Suicide Squad's like, hey, we're going to go and we're going to do this with you. One of my favorite scenes is is Croc is like, dibs on Aquaman. (laughs) That one cracked me up hella good. Well, I mean, realistically, I mean, there is a certain point to it because, I mean, you know, you have Superman who's a Kryptonian who's super powerful. You have Wonder Woman who is basically a goddess. You know, you have the Flash who moves faster than fucking everything. Aquaman who's basically a god on earth it's like all these super super powered people you know and in a sense batman doesn't stand up against them in that way but he forgets the one thing which is batman's the brains he's not just a crime fighter he is he's like the world's best detective so the suicide squad's sitting there going you know this is what we do you know suicide squad it's like you know all of our missions are are we pass or we die and they're like how's this any different he's like because we're not going as a suicide squad he's like welcome to the justice league i thought that was pretty funny kind of cool then it flashes back to Max Lord still talking with Waller. She smacks the shit out of him. And then after he basically goes, oh, look, the world's finally free. And like outside the White House, everything is chaos. And people are like trying to kill each other and things are burning down. And she's like smacks the shit out of him. Is like, look at what you created. And then he kind of like shakes the influence of the diamond for a few seconds. Tell me what to do. Like, what do I do now? And then that's when the suicide squad gets boom tubed in to, uh, and so yeah, they save kids and then Superman and green lanterns and flash and Aquaman and wonder woman all show up. And then right at that point, everybody starts to brawl. Lobo jumps on Superman. All of a sudden, like the sun eclipses, and Max Lord, like uh, like black icky goo, and he's like his body's like warping. And then he says, "It's been far too long since I felt the night's darkness upon my skin, and this belongs to Eclipso." So now he's warped into a- Eclipso, and that's where we end. So, eh, you know, I don't know. This was all right. It's not really my cup of tea. I like the artwork. The artwork's pretty good. I mean, for your your standard superhero comic fair, I definitely enjoyed that. The storyline, though, it just feels forced to me, and it's all been really boring to me. <laughs> I'm going to give it uh, two and a half. The dingo just ate our baby, love. So those were the books we read this week uh, to check out our other podcasts, Four Color Nerds, Broke Gaming, Broke-Ass Gaming, and uh, Cut the Cord, as well as other nerd shenanigans. Go check out fourcolornerds.com on our Facebook page. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or at Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, on SoundCloud. Be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading nerds.